0: Hey everyone, and welcome to
1: the Creative Commons Podcast, where we congregate in the common room to talk about the creative industry. Today we're going to be talking about uh, the content creation industry as a whole. I'm actually joined by Alec, who is a friend of mine and our guest today, and we're actually going to try something new. Um, instead of me talking at an audience and kind of explaining different concepts, we're just gonna kind of go over the content industry as a whole. Uh, you want to say hi, Alec? Hey, how's it going, everybody? All right. So, so uh, Alec, what kind of content do you watch? Because I know that you're you kind of always have something on in the background. Um, what are you interested in?
0: Yeah, I do a lot of background noise, especially for my dog. But this, this stuff that I like, I actually enjoy sitting down and watching. Uh, a lot of car videos, so like Donut Media, Evan Shanks, uh, do some gaming uh, channels as well, like Call Me Kevin. Moist Critical does a little bit of uh, gaming, but I like some of his other content as well. And then a lot of documentaries and a lot of like random stuff. The other day I uh, learned how to groom mushrooms inside my bedroom, uh, so that's pretty cool too. Uh, <laughs> And then of course I hope they're the
1: not doing that for illegal purposes, but uh, <laughs> we're... no edible mushrooms. Edible. <laughs> okay. So or yeah. <laughs> uh, anything else that you're into? Uh,
0: big into GMM, Good Mythical Morning. I love is Rhett that, and that Link. show
1: with yeah with Rhett and Link. I was just yep. going to say.
0: Yeah, I do a lot of like games and things like that. So that's a really fun one to watch. And one you might be interested in is uh, Best Food Review Show Ever. Or best that ever does. food review show.
1: Oh, yeah, I've seen him. He goes, uh, I've seen a lot of his uh, like his content when he goes to Asia.
0: Yeah, you kind of got to think like Bizarre Foods.
1: Yeah. So I actually don't watch a lot of Good Mythical Morning. I've maybe only seen one of their um, pieces of content, and it was like their chip review. Um, and I actually kind of disagree with them a lot. They said that, uh, I think it was sea salt and vinegar was their favorite chip or something like that. Because um, So I'm not a huge fan of them. Um, I do actually, rate a
0: few of their choices.
1: Yeah, I'm not so sure about them, but like, what are they about? Like, what what goes on? Uh, like, why do you enjoy their content?
0: Yeah, so like, exactly like what you are saying. So they'll do a lot of like food taste tests and they'll rank the best ones, which I totally agree with you. I don't agree with some of their choices, uh, but they do a lot of like, Games and trivia and stuff like that. It's it's kind of just a big game
1: show. That's cool. Uh, How did they start out? Because I don't really know much about them. Uh, uh, What I do know is that they're just kind of two guys um, and they started a YouTube channel like way early in the early days and now they're like very big and famous, but that's all I really know.
0: Yeah, they're pretty huge on YouTube. They uh, originally were from North Carolina and grew up super... Christian, kind of in that Bible Belt area, and they both ended up wanting to get into TV. They've been best friends since they were kids, so they've known each other forever. Um, And they got a show out in California, in L.A., and went out there and did a few of shows for them. Uh, But eventually the show got canceled, which is when they decided to go to YouTube. And that's how it all blew up. Now they have a podcast, they have multiple YouTube channels, they do music, uh, Rhett has his own album out.
1: Pretty crazy. That is insane. I mean, it sounds like they came uh, a long way from where they first started. Um, You also mentioned uh, Donut Media. I'm not quite sure what that's about because I'm not a huge car guy. Um, So is that like a media outlet, a media channel that's focused specifically around uh, cars? Uh, Do they do... I know it sounds like they do kind of like car reviews. I feel like that's a very popular aspect of uh, car reviews. Uh, stuff on YouTube, but do they do like any um, Like mechanic tutorials or anything like that or like what's their content like?
0: They do a few now I've been watching them forever. I re- I love donut media. It is uh, for Solely cars, so if you're not into cars, you probably
1: don't know them, but yeah uh, I'm more of an a point A to point B kind of guy when it comes to cars.
0: All right, right <laughs> I like watching them trick them out and it originally used to be uh just the main two hosts and they would do a show where they basically would go over the history of a specific car so they'd go over the gtr or, uh, whatever it would be oh that's kind of interesting yeah and more recently they started expanding and hiring on a bunch of people so now they have uh different shows so they basically have one for mechanics now or going through and like how to install a turbo or something like that uh They have one where they pit two cars against each other and they use cheap parts for one of the cars and expensive parts for the other car. And then they basically build out the entire car and determine whether it's worth paying more or paying less for the parts.
1: Oh, that's interesting. I actually would probably enjoy watching something like that.
0: Yeah, and they do uh, their own advertisements for their sponsors, so it's not like your typical ad. and the ads are hilarious they do a really good job with them
1: nice i always like it when uh, people are creative with um their advertisements instead of uh you know just kind of being corporate and forcing something down their audience's throat you know 100 um, yeah here at uh here at creative commons uh i vow to never ever force down something uh you know down my audience's throat <laughs> that they're not here for <laughs> good, good uh we don't do ads at this moment so um you know, maybe we'll keep it that way. Who knows? Oh, but okay. yeah. So, so I, 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 like I said, I'm not a huge car guy, but I do watch, um, you know, some stuff here and there when I'm like looking for a new car or like interested in a new car. And some of the stuff that I've watched is like from Doug, Doug DeMiro, I think his name is, he's like a really big car guy. Do you watch any of that kind of stuff? Yes. Love Doug DeMiro.
0: He's, he's like an icon in the uh, car uh, YouTube channel side of things Yeah, I have
1: no idea where he came from. Like he just came out of nowhere, you know.
0: All of a sudden, he, he just started a long time ago reviewing cars and now he is I would say the biggest car channel on YouTube.
1: Yeah, easily. Uh speaking of where did uh Donut Media come from? Like what's their origin story? I you know, I'm not
0: too sure exactly where it started. I know they're based out in LA and it um Nolan and James were the two uh, original hosts. They're still on it. They're the ones who kind of like head everything. Oh,
1: okay. uh, but
0: it started out in LA. It was more of kind of a haggard, kind of like rough. Around the it edges. wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't as perfect. Like um, well rounded as it is today. Yeah, exactly yeah. well rounded. But they just did a bunch of reviews on cars. They didn't do much mechanic stuff for that. I watch Evan Shanks, but. Oh, who's yeah, there? it's Evan Shanks does I, I wish I was him. dude. He lives out in Texas and he owns like maybe 10 JDM cars, a couple euros and he just mods the cars and it's crazy. It's it's everything I want my car to be. <laughs>
1: so i i also uh enjoy like foreign especially like japanese cars and that kind of car culture but i'm just not like you know a car head or a gear head in that in that regard like what kind of got you started down that because i feel like if we're gonna talk about the content that we watch i feel like there's a lot of inspiration that you would take from like you know when you're growing up and like what got you into that kind of stuff so how about we kind of start there
0: you know, obviously, as a kid, I was big into Hot Wheels. I still am. I still collect Hot Wheels. I get one every time I go to the grocery store. <laughs> um <Eat> that. <laughs> yeah. And uh, growing up, my dad would always play on the computer, New for Speed Most Wanted. And
1: nice.
0: me and my brother Classic. would always... Yeah, exactly. Me and my brother would always just sit right next to him while he was playing it, and he would... Let us pick the cars we were gonna buy. So I chose the Mitsubishi Evo, and to this day, that's like my dream car is a 08 Mitsubishi Evo. Nice. Um, that's a good yeah. Car. And we would just yeah, and we would just watch him. And then I was obsessed with playing them growing up. I always acted like my bike was a car. <laughs> um, And then when I turned 16, I got my first car, and started ever since. I just did a bunch of cheat mods back in the day because i was broke but i did like plasti dipping the wheels and
1: yeah a, another and, classic
0: <laughs> cutting off the exhaust and all that fun stuff
1: yeah so uh, outside of cars you said you like kind of game shows a little bit of gaming content what would you say is your like um favorite style of content is it cars or is it documentaries you know it really changes
0: like i go through seasons i would definitely say i go back to documentaries the most there's a Channel literally called Free Documentary, and they just upload a bunch of documentaries. Nice. I've always been big into documentaries for some reason. I just like learning little bits about
1: different things. I can relate to that. What's your favorite? Uh, obviously, you mentioned the uh, mushroom one recently, but like other than that, like what's your favorite that kind of comes to mind? Animals for sure. I'm huge into animals.
0: Like you know, I've been scuba diving since I was 11, so I'm like really big into marine life and all of that type of stuff and wanted to be a marine biologist growing up not
1: realizing how bad i was at science (laughs) but (laughs) those are definitely my favorite ones yeah nice uh what kind of stuff do you not like uh i hate asmr i can't stand that
0: under uh what's what's the one where they eat a lot oh mukbangs Mukbangs, yes, I knew yeah. it was not the word that I was thinking of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Mukbangs, I am not big into, and I'm not really big into, like, I know I know you are, but I, I'm i not really big into, like, the uh, Call of Duty team. Mm, yeah. I think yeah. it's just because I'm not very good at the game in general, so...
1: Yeah, I mean, it's I'm not either. I kind of actually got into that funny story um, over the pandemic, because... Uh, I sucked at Call of Duty growing up, even though I'd play... uh, I remember being in gym class and everybody talking about Call of Duty, and I just kind of wanted to fit in, but I was too uh, bad at the game to really, uh, you know, gain kind of popularity. You know what I mean? Right. So so I would just kind of try to fit in, and then um, over the pandemic, I I picked it back up again because I I hadn't played Call of Duty, I I think, since, like, Black Ops 3. Um, And mostly Black Ops 3, what I would play is zombies, so, like, I took a long break. And then... um, I wanted to get good because all my friends were playing Warzone during the pandemic and I was like, damn, I really suck, I want to get better. And so I started watching other people play and kind of picking up from what they, you know, what they do. And that's how I actually got into that. Um, So I mean, I can understand where you're coming from, you know, if you especially don't want to like dedicate the time and you just kind of aren't a huge fan, then it wouldn't be the kind of content you'd be interested in. But, uh, you know, for those who do want to kind of practice and get better. Um, we'll be talking about it later on, but there's a few people that I watch that I think are really influential in that, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I I think that's exactly what it is. I like the game, uh, especially when I'm playing with you guys, but it makes me too riled up.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's stressful, dude. It's like... Yeah. It feels like life and death at some points, and it, it's so annoying, uh, especially this uh, Warzone 2, like the, the newer game is like so broken and it, like the game has always been kind of broken so it's really interesting to like see how much the player base hates this version of the game and how they're coping with it yeah it's, it's always I tough. like
0: I like the games where I
1: can kind of sit back and relax yeah you said you're really into uh, strategy games uh, what, what so other than that because I just mentioned it like you know like what other kind of gaming categories are you into
0: obviously racing games for a horizon is like my all-time favorite series I have do you a. Watch, uh,
1: do you watch any streamers who who do racing games? Uh, there's, uh,
0: what's his name? Uh, Dubs, I think it is. I don't watch too much on it. I, the gaming content that I watch is mostly about the strategy games where I uh, need okay. to figure stuff out. Got it. But so, not so too much on that.
1: So then, what what do you enjoy uh, in general? Then going back to the question.
0: Uh, so the strategy, uh. I like a lot of indie games, so a lot of like small developers, so there's like a roguelike game that came out that's uh, called brotato where you're just a potato running around with weapons trying to stay alive. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that sounds uh, cool.
0: Big into that, uh, yeah, and a lot of, just a lot of simulation games. I love tycoon games, where like I get to build companies and stuff.
1: I remember you're huge into sim games. Um, what kind of got yeah. you started there? again my dad my dad was huge into uh
0: pc gaming like we helped him upgrade his desktop pc back in the day he Mm. was big into movies so he really loved civilization age of empires he had a huge binder full of games and my brother and i mainly me would just kind of spend the entire day going through that binder looking for different games to play and i don't know i just Got he always he always gravitated to civilization and those kind of games so i just kind of gravitated to those
1: yeah so it runs uh, in the same genes with
0: games yep yep
1: yeah i also enjoyed tycoon games growing up i remember roller coaster tycoon zoo tycoon i think there was yeah. a marine uh like a uh, marine park tycoon something like that amusement park where yeah, were on marine planet. animals i liked planet um, zoo
0: is like one of my top games right now too
1: Yeah, it's kind of crazy that there isn't much content, uh, you know, around that, or at least popular content. Like, I'm not aware of anybody who makes content around sim games, or or especially like Zoo Tycoon kind of games, Tycoon games. I agree. There's a few that I've found, I can't remember the names right now, but they'll,
0: they don't really stick to one game. They, like, showcase different simulation games each video. Yeah. But, I know Planet Zoo has a couple of creators, but they're not huge.
1: Yeah, it's a really small category. Um, yeah. Do you watch... So, you know, outside of uh, watching content on, on YouTube, where else do you decide to, like, watch content? Because we... I, I was mentioning streamers earlier. Do, do you follow anything in that realm? On Twitch, uh, other
0: than my friends, like, I have a few friends that stream and I follow them. Um, really just moist critical. And also call me Kevin.
1: Oh, okay. What is our we'll get back to moist critical in a sec because he's a big name but what does call me Me kevin do i haven't really heard of him so call me kevin his name is kevin (laughs) he's
0: (laughs) he's from ireland and just moved to spain with his girlfriend but he was actually a youtuber that i used to watch way back in the day like 10 years ago and i just recently came across one of his other videos uh one of his newer videos and it just kind of hit that hit the feels so i clicked on it and resubscribed and i've been kind of watching him ever since uh I th- he definitely has a younger uh audience yeah audience than yeah. me but it's it's kind of that uh for the feels
1: yeah so speaking of um you know i was going to get into like kind of why you watch what you watch and i guess we're kind of already there but is there anybody? I know you were talking about. Call me Kevin, as as specifically, like in you know, because of your nostalgia. But is there anybody that you still watch because of like nostalgia purposes, or, or somebody that uh, was on your uh, feed that you were interested in, but or like when you were younger, but you know now you kind of lost track of. You call me Kevin's the bit. Call me Kevin's really the only one that I've come
0: back to. I find a lot of uh, of the other ones kind of their youtube channels kind of faded out or it was geared towards a younger audience and i've just kind of like aged out of that call me kevin does a really good job of like still playing to where it doesn't feel like that yeah but i was thinking about the other day and i was thinking of like yodi slayer uh he played a lot of uh call of duty zombies and i was big into that playing with zach and uh he also did borderlands 2 uh, fortunately, he passed away, but uh, that was one where I came across actually one of his son's videos, which was really crazy to see that his son was trying to get onto YouTube. It was like super small channel, but uh, that kind of brought back some nostalgia. Uh, a lot of Minecraft YouTubers like Yogcast and this guy Does Minecraft. Uh, trying to think of some other ones. Are Th- you those were into the big into Minecraft? Ones? Do you
1: still play not, Minecraft? Not,
0: mm, I have it, I mean, I have it, but I don't really play it. I used to be big into it when I was like 12, 13.
1: Dude, Minecraft is like a major aspect of the streaming industry. There's so many big names in the Minecraft sphere of, um, you know, streaming. And I don't know any of them because I'm not into Minecraft at all. I mean, I might know like a couple. Like, um, I don't know if you know Carl Jacobs or Foolish Gamers or uh, Quackity. Uh, I know their names I don't really watch any of their content but you know like those are some of the major people that I'm aware of in that sphere Um, yeah I don't even know them I've I've really lost touch
0: with it because I haven't watched it in like Minecraft videos in like ages but
1: yeah yeah it's one of those things where I feel like people just grow out of but some people just don't you know some people enjoy that kind of stuff uh, well late into adulthood um, and you know teach their own obviously but it's just not kind of my thing right
0: but the mod scene on there is like huge you can do so many mods on minecraft and make it completely different games i can see why it is so popular
1: yeah i never do mod stuff i also hear that they have like their own servers and like um you know like uh like storylines to their servers from understand another big name that i've heard is dream and and everybody surrounding him is like a part of what i understand again i don't know anything about this but is called a Dream S and P, which is like their server, and they have like a whole storyline um, that placates to like a, a bunch of different like, to their audience, which is mostly children, from what I understand. But it's kind of crazy um, how big they are and how big that whole scene is. You know,
0: it is, yeah, and that's pretty much all Yogcast did too. It was two guys, and they just did these like adventure mods where there'd be a whole story and they'd make it super cinematic and make it look really epic and it was pretty fun i think they got a fight or something and split up but <laughs> ah. that, that was after i stopped watching them yeah
1: so um i you mentioned mods and uh, going back to that i'm not a huge modder i've never really modded any games uh, i don't really know like really even how to start yeah but uh, like is that something that you because i know you're really big into skyrim for that uh, that reason as well um do you watch other people who do mods or did you just kind of like figure it out on your own no uh
0: actually it was zach who taught me how to do it uh so and who,
1: who zach is just so everybody else who's listening
0: is, zach is like my best friend uh growing up from california um so we've known each other since like sixth grade and really good friends ever since. Um, and he also plays some Call of Duty with us.
1: <laughs> yeah, Zach's actually one of the better Call of Duty players I've had the pleasure of playing with. Yeah, um, but I didn't know he was, modded. Yeah, I mean, he does
0: computer science. He's the one who taught me how to build a computer. Uh, helped me build both of the ones that I have now. But I think he helped um, you do it as well. Yeah, he helped
1: me to too. I uh, met him playing Call of Duty and um, my computer that I was playing on was crapping out and he actually helped me um, build a new one, which was really cool of him.
0: Yeah, so he's always been really good at that stuff and we used to play Oblivion, which is the prequel to uh, Skyrim. Yeah,
1: I remember Oblivion.
0: Yeah, we played that on Xbox 360 and he found out how to download mods onto the Xbox 360 through a USB for Oblivion. So we started a modding Oblivion on the Xbox 360. That's how I got into it. And then... Wow. That was yeah, a long time ago.
1: A long time ago. <laughs> a long time ago. That was back when Pirates Bay was still around. That's... I mean, before modding became even popular. Like, I don't You're feel right. like people knew much about what modding and modding culture, or even in, there were a lot of mods back in, like, you know, I would assume this is around 06, 07 that's when Oblivion was kind of big, if I remember correctly.
0: Mm, it was a little bit later than that. I, I got into the scene a little bit late, probably like 2010 maybe.
1: Oh, okay. I mean, Oblivion is around forever because it was the one right before Skyrim, and I think Skyrim dropped in 2011, so that makes sense. You
0: know you might be right. It might have actually been around like that 2008-2009 area.
1: Yeah, because I mean, but- I remember Xbox 360 being like, a, they kind of like went into like their new xbox elite around that time that you were playing um so i don't know if uh, oblivion i think oblivion was one of the early xbox games um i feel like by that time people weren't playing it as much but i could be wrong i didn't own uh an xbox until like around 2010 11 anyway um ps3 game right. ps gang you know how it is um yeah but, yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah so You know, uh, I'm not too familiar. And um, growing up, I had to beg my mom to and my parents to let me play video games, let alone um, mature video games like uh, Oblivion. And the first one I ever played was actually um, I was in like high school and I played God of War. Maybe it was middle, like late middle school, early high school. And I remember playing God of War for the first time, and I was like, "Oh my god, I can't believe I'm playing a mature game." And um, I missed (laughs) out. I missed out on uh, Oblivion for that reason. That's okay. God
0: of War was really good too. That was the one uh, exclusive that I'm bummed I never got to play, or I they never came got. Out, to own.
1: They came out with um, on Steam, I think they have, uh, or they did have a sale of like all three, like the major collection, and then they also had the the newer ones that just came out. I think they just got ported over uh, last I year. I did or see so. that, yeah. Yeah, I loved God Ooh. of War growing up. I was a huge fan of that series. Um, but I, like I said, I never ever modded anything, so it's it's all news to me. Um, yeah,
0: I after that, I just kind of moved to the computer, started my, uh, modding Minecraft, and looking up YouTube videos on how to do it. So, but I still mod a lot of my games.
1: Yeah, I, it's uh, I feel like that gets you kind of like a foot in the door of coding and like in like how to do things on the back end of of video games, um, like development. I played. Um, World of Warcraft a lot growing up, and I did do a lot of uh, add-ons, and I feel like that's kind of a mod. You know what I mean? That's kind of modding because you're adding a file to the the source file, the source code to like change how it looks in the game. Um, that it was not the same for sure. No, that's definitely modding. It's basically just file
0: management. So you just un unzip the files, pull out all the files, put them in the specific folders they need to be in, delete some folders if you need to, or some documents, and then. Cross your fingers, knock on wood, it starts up, and goes. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. I was always worried that I would, you know, crash my computer or break something. Like, I was very, uh, you know, um, let's just say uh, naive and, like, adventurous, like, curious, you know? So I, I would always do stuff on my computer. And I remember um, deleting files, like, in the, window, <laughs> the Windows 32 growing up, thinking, oh, this is taking up too much space. So like stuff like that, I would do my mistake and my, accidentally almost brick my computer. <laughs> so I just yeah, stopped, yeah. I just stopped. I, I've never,
0: I've that. never broke my computer, but you, I've definitely broken games where I had to just completely uninstall it and reinstall the game.
1: Yeah, and lose everything. Yeah. So uh, we're gonna kind of shift gears here and uh i want to talk about it sounds like you don't watch a lot of streamers um but i don't know if you're aware of this but there was the the streamer awards that just happened uh march 11th and a lot of the categories that you watch were uh, featured um and people were nominated for them uh and i'm not sure if you know anybody you know that was nominated or not but um this kind of happens every year and um it's, it's actually one of those things where you know it would definitely uh, open up people especially who are interested in the categories that were you know like like you were talking about like a RPG or or sim or strategy or um, all these like you know we were talking about um, MMO RPGs I know you don't play a lot of them but for me right. that's what I was kind of interested in growing up so it opens a lot of people up to these new creators who are coming out and and posting content on on Twitch live streaming and also on YouTube. Um, and there's a, a lot of people who um, like big names in their in their industry who actually, um, you know, for the one for the first time this year. So, did you ha- have a chance to watch that at all? No, I
0: haven't. I've have actually haven't seen either of them. I know they have, they've had a couple years of that, but I haven't got the chance to watch those.
1: Yeah, I mean it happens. Like I said, ar- around the time of the Oscars, um, I some of the. You're saying you play a lot of strategy games. I'm not sure if you play any of like uh, League of Legends or Dota or anything, but um, the the main one that the, for the strategy games, uh, the person who was nominated and won was actually BoxBox. Box, which uh, he actually was also um, featured in. Uh, I believe it was Ludwig's um, chess boxing tournament, and I th- okay. think he also won against his opponent there. If I'm not mistaken. Um, so he's a big name to watch out for, for for League of Legends and um Dota and other strategy games. Um, also, you know, I don't know if you watch or play Valorant at all, but that's an up and coming uh, or currently a, a major game. And uh, there were uh, there was big competition for that one. I don't know if you know about the whole drama behind that at all, but uh, there was um major players in that kind of scene are, are Tarek, um, Quarter Jade, kaide and I forget the fourth. You'll have to forgive me. I forget the fourth person who was nominated. <laughs> um, but Kaide actually won uh, out, you know, out beating out uh, Tarek, who do you know anything about? Do you know anything about this scene? No, not really. If it's a popular game, I probably don't play it. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. Well, I'll explain a little bit of it and we'll just get back to a, to other conversations in a sec but uh Tarek is uh a, was a professional csgo player and, and is currently a, a professional valorant player because they're practically the same game it, right and and uh he's like the biggest valorant streamer on the platform um and quarter jade and kaide are also major major streamers uh for valorant and they're both female um Tarek is is uh, male and um there was a lot of drama behind uh, this this category specifically. Actually, so much so that they dropped the category for next year because there were all, like apparently death threats. People were really oh, unhappy. Oh dang! Yeah, people were really unhappy about who won and and um, when Kaide won. A uh, little background, actually, kaide just was diagnosed with uh, I believe it was like advanced stage leukemia, like a week before, two weeks before the uh, the awards. And so That's people crazy. People speculated that she won for that, and uh, when she came up, she said it was her make-a-wish to win, um, which, I mean, I thought was kind of a funny joke, but a lot of people didn't find tasteful. And, um, yeah, so so there was a people from the other fandoms were really pissed and, uh, you know, upset that their people didn't win. Uh, something about the streamer awards is that everybody who's nominated and everybody who wins is fan-voted, so it's like whoever has the bigger fan base— um, and so people were really thinking that it was going to be Tariq, uh, but kaide went out. So it was it was one of those things where, you know, um, there was a whole bunch of drama that if you're not, you know, following this space, you might not know about, but they actually got rid of it because of how it was handled. Um, it was kind of crazy. That is insane. Yeah. A little empathy, maybe? Huh? A little empathy, maybe? <laughs> a little empathy. I, I For me personally, I think, you know... Um, I wish Kaide the best I hope she recovers. It's, it was really sad to hear that she was diagnosed with that. That's never something that you want uh, to hear from a doctor and she was handling it really well um, and kind of I feel like she I remember her saying that humor is the way that she was kind of uh, coping with the news and so I right. completely understand why she said what she said but it's just unfortunate especially in the streamer space uh, like people are just insane. Uh, like fan communities are just rabid. And um, you never know how people are going to react. So it's kind of a bummer um, that this kind of stuff, uh, you know, influences uh, the award ceremony um, for next year, you know. So anyway, uh, speaking of, uh, you know, we just got over the streamer awards and everything. And um, it's, uh, you know, I feel like because people are very interested in uh, these kind of um, award ceremonies and they're all fan based and fan nominated and fan voted a lot of that is actually probably to do with the algorithm wouldn't you wouldn't you say
0: i think a lot of it has to do with the algorithm i feel like every time this has to do with all social media platforms too every time they try to make it better i feel like it gets worse where you kind of get funneled into specific content creators or certain content that you watch and you can't get out of it
1: Yeah, I mean, I feel like it's very influential, especially when things are fan-nominated and the size of their communities have a huge influence on these kind of awards. I feel like the the algorithm is specifically, um, you know, like one of the major influences on these kind of things. And um, I don't know if you know anything about Twitch and their algorithm, but they're actually notorious for not being uh, great at discoverability. It's really hard to find somebody new on their their platform. Um, And actually... Kind of similarly, it's YouTube um, on the other side because they uh, don't really have an algorithm that's tiered specifically towards streaming and they don't have like a huge um, base of streamers that they can reliably recommend to other people. And so it's actually really hard to find new content creators unless they collaborate with other people that are in the similar space. And so I feel like, um, like you're saying, you know, that. That kind of ends up into you know funneling people into uh, you know one singular community or uh, you know maybe uh, like sort like a group of people or a clique of people in within that kind of sphere and it's really hard for people to get out of that and um, one of the things I do enjoy about the Streamer Awards going back is just that um, you know it's it's one of those places where you can discover new creators and, and new um, and maybe some smaller creators that you wouldn't have seen before uh, you know in, in, in the categories that are being nominated like uh, to show off these hidden gems for example was one that was about smaller streamers um, you, that you'd never get to see um, but you're right I feel like the algorithm um, is kind of negative in that way um, and it, it always ends up influencing people's taste profiles and going back to how we were talking about what we like and what we don't like there were so many changes uh, growing up because I, I mean I I know I grew up during um, the time where you know YouTube was just a fledgling, uh, before it was even owned by Google. Really, it was just a fledgling uh, website, and uh, I remember you know the transition and everything and how it all changed and kind of became more corporate and how the algorithm changed. And uh, it's it's crazy how many channels just kind of die off just because of the algorithm, you know. Yeah. Yeah, and I I go, especially on Twitch,
0: I go out of my way to find the smaller content creators, which is not very hard. You do one or two scrolls, and you're down to people who have less than 100 viewers.
1: Well, most people on Twitch are, um, you know, like 99.9%, I would want to say. I don't have the exact numbers. Are, uh, you know, one viewer or under. Like, a lot right, of them right. are not famous um you know if you have 100 viewers you're in like the top one percent already of twitch which is kind of insane that is crazy i i try try
0: to do the same on on youtube as well like a lot of the ones that i mentioned earlier were the bigger creators the well-known creators but like the guy who showed how to grow oyster mushrooms in your bedroom was uh he does just a bunch of gardening stuff i live in an apartment but for some reason i'm fascinated by
1: that <laughs> one can dream right you know like growing you're your own growing your own vegetables <laughs> yeah you're preparing for the future where you don't have your own land hopefully
0: right right but yeah the algorithm definitely has a way of if i go and i watch one video of say pewdiepie who i don't watch re- ever really i think i've seen a couple of his videos but if i go watch one of his videos it's just gonna flood my recommended with yeah
1: isn't that crazy
0: videos yeah
1: Actually how I got into watching streamers is it's kind of a crazy story. I ran out of content to watch during the pandemic and um, I was on YouTube and I was just scrolling through and then people like streamers clips from their channel started popping up on like you know clip channels and stuff like on my um, on my YouTube page and I I didn't know anything about Twitch. I didn't know anything about streaming um, and I started clicking on these clips. And I was like, that's entertaining. But then it just flooded my uh, recommended page. And all of a sudden, just a bu- like clip after clip after clip after clip to the point where most of my uh, recommended channel is now clips or like people I don't even like or people I don't even watch because they're trying to recommend me to watch people. Like for instance, um, a lot of these now are like XQC. I'm not a huge fan of XQC. Um, I do watch him occasionally. And I think he, you know, for the most part, I can, I can understand the appeal. Um, but like I wouldn't have known anything really about his content or watched his content if it wasn't for his clip channel. And, um, the same thing kind of went with, uh, how I got into, uh, Hasanabi, which is another very famous, uh, Twitch streamer, um, was actually just through his, what he calls the industrial, his clip industrial complex, which is just a bunch of creators because he releases his IP, uh, to his fans to like clip anything and, and make content out of anything that he does on his channel. And so i just got a, a wave a wave of channel after channel after channel of like hasanabi stuff and it like forced me to, to kind of watch his content um so the algorithm can be a bit uh abrasive at times and like really forceful um in that regard it's, it's kind of crazy how it influences how much content what kind of content you watch
0: yeah and you really if you want to get out of it you really have to work to change it
1: it's tough. I, I'm stuck now. I don't want to watch anything on my recommended channel. I scroll for, like, 10, 15 minutes trying to look for something. I'm like, damn, nothing <laughs> nothing good that I want to watch is out. And I just end up, like, getting off of YouTube and actually moving yeah. towards more Twitch stuff because at least there it's kind of, you never really know what you're going to get. You know what I mean? You have a kind of an idea of when you watch somebody, but, like, it, especially if it's variety, you know, there's a lot more spontaneity and a lot more um, variety of, of different types of content, um, you know, comparatively. So that's why I just kind of moved over to the, to the different platform. I, I really wish both of them uh, fixed their algorithm. I feel like it's a big point of improvement that they could both work on. And um, especially with, uh, I don't know if you heard about this, but uh, Susan Wojcicki, Uh, the CEO, former CEO of YouTube just stepped down and she was a huge role. She played a huge role in how the algorithm changed at YouTube between like 2014 and, and, you know, 2023. So uh, every time the algorithm changed, it was kind of like up to her on on how that happened. And um, we'll see how it ends up now because the the trend has been that it's always been like, you know, more ads, um, you know, more content towards... uh, You know stuff that will retain viewership and and click get people to click on stuff and not necessarily you know content that people are actually interested in
0: right yeah i did hear about that i I mean i don't blame her i heard there was a big lawsuit against her and uh youtube and google which she's big in google as well
1: yeah um I don't think quitting, you know, gets you out of a lawsuit, but I can understand why you wouldn't sure. want to be in charge of the company, especially when you're being investigated. Face of it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, got her golden parachute, got the heck, the heck out of there, you know? Um, <laughs> I don't blame her. But it's going to be interesting to see, because also, did you hear about this? Uh, the Twitch CEO stepped down. Like last week. I didn't. Uh, I didn't week, hear about two that. Two weeks ago, yeah. Um, Emmett Shear, who's... Uh, known famously for not being known as the ceo of twitch <laughs> he's he's really uh, apparently was really uninvolved in the company and there's a meme uh that charlie most critical uh kind of introduced me to which is like I, he I, his conspiracy theory is that emmett Shear didn't even know he was ceo of twitch he was that uninvolved it- yeah, I always hear that joke from him. <laughs> yeah, but uh, so he just stepped down, and um, I'm not sure who's who's replacing him. But it's it's going to be interesting to see. Um, oh, that's right. It was uh, the market. It was somebody from the marketing team, I think. Um, they're so they're going to change their policies even more now because obviously, when you have a, a change in in CEO, it's going to be a major change to the company structure. So, you know, now that you mention it, I did see Moist Critical's video on that. Yeah, let's talk about that for a sec. So, um, I enjoy, you know, going back to what kind of stuff we like watching. I enjoy a lot of news and modern, like current events channels. I like uh, I like Moist Critical. I like uh, Hasanabi, and I like uh, Ludwig's uh, Mogul Mail. I think all of them uh, kind of do the same content, um, but ha- add their own take, and you get a different uh, viewpoint on a lot of them. Um, but Charlie is like, was, is like one of the first people to ever do this. Um, so it's really interesting to see how much he's blown up, especially recently uh, over the last couple of years. Uh, he hit, I think 10 million subs, uh, this past year, I want to say, and just keeps growing and growing and growing. Uh, when did you kind of start watching him and why? Actually more recently,
0: So I, he's been big for a long time from what I know but I've actually only started watching him maybe within the last year two years I've seen a few Mogul Male videos like I watched those every once in a while but that's been within like the last couple of months they just started getting recommended to me Yeah funny it's how that works out, Yeah algorithm funneling me
1: Yeah <laughs> But yeah. Uh- I so you don't... I mentioned Hassanabi. sounds like you haven't been advertised his kind of stuff or, or watched his takes on a lot of these different, um, uh, you know, current event. Uh, no, I haven't gotten stuff. into
0: that algorithm yet. I
1: don't actually know who that is. Yeah, actually, uh, so I can explain. For the people who don't know, um, Hassanabi is Hasan Piker's channel. Uh, Hasan Piker used to work for the Young Turks. I go over it in another episode on this channel as well, but... Um, essentially, to give a quicker rundown, uh, he moved over to Twitch after, um, after you know, get, he used to work for his uncle at the Young Turks and um, started working, at, you know, stri- live streaming because he didn't have very much work to do with his uncle, um, from what I understand. And so then he kind of made a slower transition and then made it really big during the um, 2020 election um, and then officially started uh, streaming full time after that. And uh, like he started off with like you know a handful of viewers, and then now he has uh, I believe it's sixty sixty thousand plus s- subscribers um, currently. So he's a big name, and what he does is uh, political commentating and uh, news, and so a lot of it revolves around like left wing politics and uh, socialism and and a bunch of these like different concepts of how to view the world. And so when you watch a lot of like Charlie's. Uh, breakdowns on current events and, and that kind of stuff. You'll notice, I don't know if you have, but now you might uh, that he's very centrist in what he says. and he mm-hmm. approaches it from a very um, like moderate centrist uh, viewpoint not to uh, like offend anybody but to you know make it the, like appeal to the most amount of people as possible. where I think you'll get a different view obviously from Mogul and also from Hassan. They're, they're just different viewpoints on the political spectrum. Um, that you'll notice, like, now, if you watch any of them, like, influences what kind of content you'll get. Even though it's the same topic, you'll just get a different viewpoint that you might not have considered before. But uh, a lot of people hate them. A lot of people hate them. So, you know, if, if it's that's not your thing, I completely understand. But um, for me, I enjoy getting a view of, of like, coming from that kind of um, political alignment just because it's not something that we have a lot of people who you know are famous and talk about that kind of stuff
0: right yeah i'm not big into the whole political side things i do like a little bit like i watch a lot on the ukraine war and things like that but i find it very polarizing and uh it's
1: getting very extreme nowadays so I, i i enjoy the centralist kind of view well, that's what makes Charlie so unique and, and popular, right. you know. Um, that's why he has 10 million subscribers. I don't even think, uh, I think Hassan's channel just hit 1 million uh, like this past year. So that's that's probably why. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so going back, uh, you know, we'll talk about the algorithm. We were talking about it, and um, I noticed there is a bunch of You know, we're talking about politics and the algorithm, and I I noticed there's a bunch of uh, changes that happened uh, in my lifetime to how the algorithm uh, started off into then being what it was before the most recent change, which, you you know, was more of like a pipeline for extremism. You're talking about how politics um, has kind of created a schism in America uh, between the left and right and a lot of conflict. And I think that YouTube, Facebook, obviously, and like social media in general, but We're talking about YouTube, uh, played a huge role in like how that kind of played out. And in 2016, around the election, 2015 maybe, uh, a lot of people were getting uh, like extremist, um, you know, anti-Islamic or even like pro-ISIS ads. And they actually had to change their algorithm. um, And because people weren't like the ad, the ad, uh, the advertisers, the, the advertising agencies were really against um, this and actually pulled their ads from YouTube. And so a lot of creators weren't getting paid. And it was actually, I don't know if you remember this, but it was called Adpocalypse. Do you remember that? I don't remember Adpocalypse. I remember like
0: uh, the extremist videos being blasted on the news uh, how bad it was but I don't remember the ad pop- apocalypse necessarily.
1: yeah so that happened and then they reformatted how like they completely demonetized everything. there was like a that led to the demonetization of channels which then created this uh, issue with um, with creators where they couldn't you know get income from their channels anymore. And so this caused a lot of conflict at YouTube. And I don't know if you remember this, but there was actually a um, huge uh, event that happened at the YouTube headquarters where um, a woman came over from, I believe it was from Southern California, drove up and actually started shooting at YouTube headquarters. Uh, and she what? actually injured a couple people. And I think she might have even, uh, I think she actually ended up dying. I can't, I can't remember exactly what happened, but somebody did die in that event, I'm pretty sure. Um, but she critically in, injured one person and then um, in, you know uh, injured a, like two other people on top of that and um, it was this whole thing that happened specifically because her channel was demonetized she couldn't she couldn't find any um, any way to monetize and YouTube wasn't working with her and she decided to take her frustrations out and so even so then after that they changed the algorithm again. and so that's kind of where we're at today where this algorithm is, is more focused around, Uh, you know monetizing for the their creators and and creating an income for them Um, but that's actually how the create economy shifted from being focused on advertisers into being focused on sponsorships and memberships Um, so it's kind of interesting to see how that all played out do you know anything about that? No, that's crazy. So she was a content creator. Yeah, uh, I can't remember that's exactly crazy. what she focused on, um, but she was a content creator, um, and she was fed up with uh, how YouTube was handling her channel, and she was demonetized, and she couldn't make a living, and so she decided to take it out uh, at the people on the people at YouTube. Um, I remember being. Uh, not too far away from YouTube. I grew up uh, not too far away from YouTube, the headquarters in the Silicon Valley. So I remember this happening as it unfolded, being really big news um, in the surrounding area. Uh, I believe there was like a whole... It was like like a few hours where, you know, she she was there and the, uh, raving and, and ranting a bit and then started shooting at YouTube and they shut everything down and like they had to call the cops and like... Um, it was kinda of, I don't want to say it was a hostage situation, but it was kinda of, you know what I mean, like where they just kinda of like have a standoff. That was the word I was looking for. They had a standoff right. with her. And it was this whole thing. But people don't remember this. I feel like, you know, when you bring it up, I feel like not a lot of people have it have, like realize how influential this kind of time 2016, 2017 in YouTube was, you know? Two thousand eighteen. Yeah, I I don't remember
0: that. I remember when swatting was big, I I remember, I mean, recently Twitch did a, a ad revenue change. Yeah. Uh, w- where didn't they cut it to like 70 30 or something like that? No.
1: So, so if we're talking about ad revenues and, and sub splits and the way that creators monetize, um, which I think is a really great topic, uh, it was officially 50 50. It always was officially 50 50. Um, but. What secretly the major players at Twitch, the top 0.1, especially the people who kind of grandfathered in, had a 70-30 sub split, and so uh, oh. each subscription is five bucks, uh, which means that you would make three and and Twitch would make two. Um, but now it's uh, 250, 250, and I mean that doesn't 50 cents or whatever doesn't sound like a huge change but it adds up especially when you get big enough to where it's like you know that's thousands if not maybe millions of dollars um right okay so i didn't have
0: to that didn't have anything to do with ad revenues then it was just their no well the, it did so oh, okay. the reason
1: why they changed the sub revenues is because they wanted to encourage people to run ads because they have so many they have so much right uh inventory when it comes to their ad space but they ha- don't Nobody, nobody likes ads on Twitch. Everybody hates ads on Twitch because they're the most invasive ads. Uh, everybody uh, doesn't like them. They play during the beginning of your the stream when you first come in and, and 80%, 90% of people don't stick around for those. They're called pre-roll ads. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So when you go, when you log on to a channel you know that you aren't subscribed to, you immediately get hit in the face with like, uh, like a minute, two minutes worth of ads. You're not going to stick around for that. So that was why, you know, they incentivized it by cutting down on um, on the sub- sub-revenue sub-split and forced people to do other things like they have bounties, which is like running ads in front of your community while you watch it on stream. Um, they forced people to do that kind of stuff and they also incentivized uh, running ads. So like instead of, I think it was like two minutes total before this, this change, it's now like eight minutes total of ads per hour. And that's like more than traditional tel- television. I understand i could yeah, be wrong about like crazy. the numbers but it's an insane amount of ads
0: that is and i am definitely one of those people that I click away if i'm not hooked right away
1: yeah so i mean it, it, it incentivizes people to subscribe to get rid of the ads um but like not everybody can afford five dollars a month for you know a handful of people that they enjoy that can add up really quickly and um the creators got kind of upset because a lot of them like i said hate ads because it ruins um it ruins their channel statistics nobody sticks around for that so um there was a huge drama uh surrounding that and you know cutting down already on somebody's uh sub revenue um is it like a major hit you know to their income so it actually spurred uh somebody called TV. i don't know if you know who that is but there was a bunch of drama surrounding uh gambling and he was involved in that and um over the last year or two and it caused, uh, Trainrix TV to actually, um, partner up with Stake.com and start Kick, uh, Kick.com, which is currently trying to be, um, the competition to Twitch and I guess now YouTube, but mainly Twitch, um, by in- increasing the sub-revenue split and not having, uh, as many DMCA rules or a- as much, uh, control as, uh, or, in, you know, for their policy for streamers and what they can and can't do, um... Comparatively to Twitch, because Twitch is very strict on what creators can get away with. Have you heard about Cake at all? No, other than like the messaging app. No, <laughs> but I feel
0: like that's uh, the goal of a lot of a lot of like channels or um, content platforms. I feel like they always start out like this is going to be this open thing, and then and then money gets involved, ads get involved. Investors get involved And that's when All of the rules Start shifting So hopefully They'll be able to Keep it like that But
1: Well here's the thing So um, There's a reason Why um, Twitch has their Policies the way That they do Um, And it's because Nobody wants to Advertise on a Platform that's Lawless Um, You can't Because what happens Is um, When you don't Have any rules To enforce um, Against uh, You know Stuff like uh, You know major infractions that you know will offend people uh such as racism nudity uh you know graphics swearing. stuff like that swearing yeah all that kind of stuff um or even dc dmca laws uh what happens is nobody wants to advertise because it's too much of a risk against their brand so um that's why twitch is mainly focused on um you know enforcing those rules uh but what happened recently with with kick is that uh, a lot of people from twitch moved over um, one of which was Aiden Ross, who is a uh, a Jewish streamer. Um, I think he just retired, from what I understand. So I'm not sure if he's still going on, but he was a Jewish tr- streamer on Twitch and moved over. He was known for NBA 2K games and, and stuff like that, and he moved over to Kick. And when he moved over to Kick, he started becoming more noticeably unhinged and conservative and anti-Semitic, and started freaking out uh, against. Um, Left, leftism, and, and like left, leftist uh, politics by saying stuff like uh, "there's only two genders" and uh, "kill all trans people," and started telling people to like, uh, you know, uh, what was it? Piss on their siblings, and started doing like stuff like that, which is a huge no-no on on Twitch. Uh, he got suspended and then um, permanently uh, banned from from Twitch for that kind of behavior. And then move over to the Kick and started doing more and more and more of it. Um, and even hosted a Nazi on his platform, which is, I mean, ironic if you ask me, because he is Jewish. And um, so it just goes to show that, and uh, you know, you can't have this like wild west, lawless policy. And they even uh, upheld it for a lot of, uh, you know, backed him up. Uh, to, train wrecks didn't punish him at all. Um, there a couple times he said we can't have that, but for the most part, you know, up until recently, uh, Aiden was able to get away with whatever he wanted. Um, so I don't believe that it's the right thing to have, uh, you know, such a unregulated space. I feel like once that happens, a lot of right wing extremism and like you know um, fascism and anti semitism and racism kind of pops out. Like you know, kind of reminiscent of like how 4chan was uh, back in the day. Do you remember right. 4chan and how that was?
0: yeah and the same with like vice it used to be very controversial like that but i feel like back in the day it used to be more acceptable to have those kinds of the cancel culture wasn't a thing yet i think cancel culture really put a shutdown on that <laughs> everything has checks and balances now um
1: well you'd think so i think I it created think it more so well. of a schism like we're, what we're talking about earlier so i mean it's kind of uh that's what that's actually what got aiden ross to stop streaming he said he was felt like cancel culture has um created like a a space where he didn't feel comfortable being on on the internet anymore i mean rightfully so because he was being a huge piece of shit in my opinion but yeah i was gonna say in that case i think he
0: got what he deserved
1: yeah oh i mean no he just he actually just stopped he, he i feel like there was a lot of things that could have happened that should have happened that didn't you know and that's what i'm kind of worried about when it comes to these uh, unregulated spaces it's just like it can um it, it can create a echo chamber bubble really quickly where people you know are feel justified by doing stuff like that and getting away with it um and if you don't have Advertisers to worry about anymore. Then there's nothing stopping people from um, being unhinged, like unhinged like that, you know. Right. But um, kick. The reason I brought it up is because they have a, I believe it's 95 to 5 percent sub split. Uh, YouTube has like a 30, 70-30 sub split where 70 goes to the creator, but 95 is like the highest it's ever been um for creators and a lot of people are seeing that as an opportunity to make more money obviously rightly rightfully so but uh it's going to be interesting because you know when you change platforms like that your audience has to follow mm-hmm. and you know um it's it becomes competition and uh, while competition obviously brews uh you know spurs innovation and um is normally a good thing um when it's unregulated it, it can uh it can get out of hand really quickly, um, similar to how TikTok is to uh, Instagram or you know to to like other social media platforms because it was so unregulated, it just got so um, out of control, you know, really quickly.
0: Yeah, TikTok's really cracked down. on that. I think Vine was a really good example of that, though.
1: <laughs> yeah, I feel like Vine was a little more um, reasonable. I feel like Vine didn't get as unhinged as TikTok but
0: yeah TikTok is pretty crazy
1: but yeah yeah I love it (laughs) but anyway maybe that's a maybe that's a conversation topic for another time because it looks like we're running out of time for this episode so I just want to say thank you so much for talking with me it was a great uh, you know episode and uh, I look forward to talking more with you uh, next time yeah thanks for having me on All right. thank you for listening to this episode of creative commons please check us out on all major streaming platforms where you find all of your favorite podcasts for more information about the creative industry we'll catch you next time on the creative commons podcast